All right, what's up, everybody? Hopefully you're well. Good to see you. It's so great to be together. And that was pretty fantastic just to see some of the things that have happened over the last bunch of years. It's very much hard for us to believe that 10 years ago, we were getting ready to host our very first gathering at what was City View Church at the time, uh, a location, kind of a plant out of Royal View Church, March 13th, 2011. Hard to believe. We were just babies. <laughs> Come on. Uh, there was a lot of excitement on that day. Uh, for me, even butterflies, which to be honest, I don't say this arrogantly, doesn't happen a lot. I don't get a lot of butterflies in the tummy. But there was a mix of anticipation on that day of the blank slate that was ahead of us. And that feeling in your gut, not knowing if anyone was going to show up, right? Uh, plus, it was time change Sunday. And as you know, the spring time change, just like last night, is the bad one. We always call the spring time change the bad one. Just like last night, we lost an hour of sleep. And so who plants and starts a church on the bad time change, right? Like who would have thought uh, to do that? But we ended up doing that. We kind of booked the date for the venue and didn't realize it was time change Sunday. In the fall, we never promote time change because... Um, we know that you fall back. So like if you miss it, you're, some of you would actually show up to church on time. No, no, judge, <laughs> no judgment at all. But uh, to start on the time change was so interesting. And here we are 10 years later. The joy, the pain, the hope, the disappointment, the beauty of planting and starting a church community. So some of you have been here for a while. Some of you have been here, been here from the very beginning and you found community. Uh, many of you have dedicated your kids in this community. You serve, you give, you're, you've stuck it through as people. And we just want to say, well done. It's not easy, but here, here you are and we love you. And then many of you have joined in over the last couple of years. Heather and I talk a lot just about how much joy it brings, the people that have joined in over the last two or three years, and what you bring to this community and what you bring to our lives, and we're, we're just so thankful. So our story's a little weird here. We had our first launch, our first Sunday, as we said, our first gathering on March 13th, 2011, but really, if you know the story, didn't become an autonomous church until about two years later, when we became Praxis Church, and this has been a beautiful transition. And part of this is I've actually wrestled for months. Do we even do something for our 10-year celebration simply because of our relaunch two years ago? Do we do something? But I actually think that modestly, I think it's important to honor the past and look ahead a little bit. And so, you know, it's interesting seeing for some of you that are newer, you saw all those pictures of the last 10 years, that collage of pictures and uh, nothing like a little bit of like celebrate good times in the background. But, you know, as I was looking through these pictures, I realized that, and you probably noticed there, we don't have one single picture from our launch day on March 11th, 2011. Uh, we were busy. Uh, we were distracted in many ways, getting things ready. And though Instagram was a thing, it wasn't quite like it was today. If you were to launch a church today, you would be like exiled to bad church people island for not taking photos of your launch Sunday. But we don't have one photo from that particular day. But as I was peering through these photos and putting them together and all that you just saw there, there was one that came up for me that was particularly my favorite. Uh, Cam's actually going to throw it up. This is a picture of Easter 2013. And 
those are my two little ones there, Ava and Judah. And, you know, so funny, that was City View Church's, one of our first outdoor signs. You got to think about this. We started on like a shoestring budget. Churches nowadays, like 10 years, from, 10 years later, a lot of churches start with like a hundred grand raised in the bank. We had nothing. We had a bunch of old equipment that we got from different churches and we brought it to Central High School. And so this was kind of like a proud moment putting out this sign with my kiddos. And this is our Easter celebration uh, eight years ago, which is hard to believe. And I've been blessed over this time to do this with my family. Uh, my kids love this community deeply. You know, I actually worry sometimes for them with the isolation of COVID-19 and not being able to gather. Not because I think they're uh, missing out on religious goods and services, but I worry sometimes with this whole situation because they love you. And this is not, we don't compart our, compartmentalize our life around this. We, we, this is our lives. We love this community and it's been a joy to watch my kids love you like family. You can take the picture off if you want, Cam. Just a little reminder for me every year of the early days and the beauty of this. So as you know, most of you know that know Heather, that taking the mic is not Heather's thing. She, listen, she does not want to be up here. And there's part of me, honestly, that loves that. Not because I want to hog the mic, but because Heather has shown myself and many of us that ministry and church doesn't have to be from a stage, Right? Many of you have received the love that Heather gives and the way that she leads this community. And it's not through a microphone and it's not through leading worship. Praise God, <laughs> right? It's not through singing. It's not through playing a keyboard. It's through a text in the middle of the day. It's a welcome at the back door when you get to the gathering on Sundays when you arrive. It's life and doing life together over a glass of wine or a cup of coffee. And listen, I know I don't talk about Heather a lot, but I know, and I also know the scripture confronts us about envy, but there are many days that I wish I was Heather. I wish I had her gifts, and I wish that I brought what she brought to this community. I'm kind of stuck with the microphone and my own introverted kind of weird self, but I know that there are many of you in this community, along with Heather, that have way better gifts than talking into a microphone. And you bring so much, and Heather, you bring so much to this community. And again, I don't often talk like this, but I felt like it was important just to say that. So uh, when we started this community 10 years ago, we started it on one particular verse. Paul says to a young community of Jesus followers in the ancient Mediterranean, he says this, 1 Thessalonians 2, 6, We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we would have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you, Paul says. And then here's, here's the verse that really we were believing and leaning into when we started this community. Paul says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we care for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You know, in all of the vision and the dreams of seeing a church flourish and not really knowing what we were doing in the moment, and if you were there 10 years ago, we had no sweet, we were babies, but we had no sweet clue what we were doing. We had this desire. This was our hope. This was our desire. And amongst all of our dysfunction, our desire was this. 
we are going to share the good news of God's reign, but we're not just going to tell it or share it with our mouths. We're going to share it with our lives as well. As one Pauline scholar, his name's Michael Gorman, says, and by the way, I'm on a kick right now. I'm on a Michael Gorman kick. Uh, I always say my running saying right now is everything by Michael Gorman. If you love theology, you should read everything he writes. He's a Pauline scholar. He says this, the church performs the gospel as a living commentary on it. The church performs the gospel as a living commentary on it. It lives the story, embodies the story, and it tells the story. And this is what we've tried to do. Far from perfect, but this was the hope and desire. And though some things have changed along the way, this was our hope, that we would live the story, embody it, and we would tell it as a community of people in this great city. Uh, Has it brought us, has this community and, and this journey brought us a lot of joy? Absolutely, yes. Has there been a lot of pain along the way? Yes, there is with anything, anything that's good or valuable or beautiful, there is pain in the process and we've experienced that. Would we have wanted to do anything else with our lives over the last decade? Absolutely freaking not. You know, in 2015, I actually, it's funny, I was looking back in 2015, uh, one of our vision days, I made some claims to where I thought the church was heading in Canada. I was actually at the time knees deep in studying on the church in Canada and post-Christendom. I was doing a degree at McMaster Divinity College and my face was in book after book, just trying to discern where we're headed as a nation and where the Church of Canada would be in the future. And it's interesting, I look back this week and this was my impression. I made four really just claims that I thought would be the future of the church in Canada. Here they are. Number one, church communities will be smaller in size, but bigger in impact. From what I was gaining and understanding that Even church plants that started would probably be smaller in community, but would have a greater reach overall. Two, the prediction was is that there'd be less financial resources, but a greater sense of stewardship and creativity. Obviously, as the church is getting older and in many ways dying off in Canada, the the thought was is that probably with that would go a lot of money, right? Our parents and grandparents' generation as they get older, but there would be a sense of creativity just as when Israel was in exile and this thing, the synagogue kind of popped up, right? Like you may or may not know, the synagogue was a product of exile as the Jewish community was pushed throughout the ancient Mediterranean into exile. They would have these little hubs of worship. My thought was, is that we would have to get creative with our finances, our stuff and what God has given us. Three, the claim was that many will buy into a secular worldview but those who are committed to the way of Jesus will partner in the renewal of all things. This was just simply a claim that there's probably going to be a lot of people that will buy into the narratives of our day, of wealth, of prosperity, of secularism, of uh, worshiping all sorts of different things, right? Kind of walking away from the church and the kingdom, but that there would be this kind of remnant of people that would really dig down deep and take this serious and join God in the renewal of all things. And I'll just say, that's actually, I've, we've seen that happen. And then the fourth claim was this, is that culture will continue to be transient and mobile because this thing called the internet was continuing to pick up steam. But the hope was is that the church would be more effective when it's local and faithfully present. And there's four straight claims, just kind of thinking through the future of the church. That was six years ago. And here we are almost six years later and much of the tectonic changes we've been facing and seeing 
have actually happened. Some of the things we talked about six years have happened. And we even know now that COVID has really brought this process on and, and sped, sped this process up. A lot has changed for us, many of us church folk in the last decade. I think one of the things that has helped is that we've been able as a community to anticipate some of these things over the years to say, okay, this, this, is, this is what probably will happen over the next decade and something we need to prepare for. But 2020, brothers and sisters, nobody could have anticipated last year. Uh, 2020 has just made everything go faster. And a lot of what we thought we would experience in the future has been drawn right into our present as far as some of these changes. It's laughable. It's, it really is laughable. But if you remember, last year at our annual meeting with our members, we were sharing with our community the vision ahead for the year. And the word that I thought God had given us for 2020 was the word, I don't know if you remember it, was the word stability. Stability, that's the, honestly the word that I thought, I think probably you can cast stones right now as me as a false prophet. You could just go ahead right now and throw the stones. The word for our church for 2020 was stability, which is like just so funny. And part of that was drawn from the fact that we were in our second year as an autonomous church and we had just got, gotten through our first year and the hope was in a very young and transient community that we would be a group of people that would just kind of get our roots deeper and there would be more stability for us as a community as we grew older in time and as many of the core families grew older as well as our kids grow up. The word was stability. Um, obviously, we look back now at 2020 and the word stability is just not something I think you could apply to 2020 and probably won't really apply to the future anytime soon. But also as I look back, I think we were prepared as a community. There were a number of things that as a church kind of getting its roots deep, we were prepared. We were already a church that had a scheduled rhythm, right? We took time for Sundays to have rest. We took Sundays off, which for a lot of people was unthinkable. We had no ties to a building and trying to pay a mortgage during a global pandemic. We had no office space. And ultimately, we understood that the church was more of a family than it was something to consume. It was more of a community of persons together under the rule of God than it was trying to go to some show or some something that would just ultimately, where I could go and sit and consume. And we had entered into what we felt like over the last couple years, an important rhythm where each season we had a local outreach that we were joining into, a spiritual practice that we were joining in on, and a theme, a teaching series that we would walk together through. We also began to develop this, what we call a eucharismatic kind of vision, eucharismatic basically meaning that we wanted to be deeply rooted in tradition. So many times church plants and new works and ministries, they just want to like kind of get on the scene as though they're the first thing that's ever kind of lived out community together. And we realized we're in a long line of Jesus followers who've practiced the way of Jesus. There's a church calendar. There's a lectionary. There's things that we need to pay attention to. So we wanted to be rooted in tradition, but we also wanted to be culturally aware. We actually wanted to have like high def kids lessons and good artwork and things that we could invite the community into utilizing technology and the internet. And then ultimately we wanted to be open to the Holy Spirit. We wanted to be charismatic in the best sense. 
Not for some of you, maybe that's flag waving, open mic. I'm not talking about that stuff. You know that if you've been around for a while. I'm talking about a community that's led and opened by the Holy Spirit. And every church obviously has felt a level of disorientation over the last 12 months. But I think because of how we've tried to operate, that we will actually be able to thrive in the future. Because of what we've done the last number of years in setting ourselves up the way we have, I think we're going to be able to thrive in the coming months. I really do. Where churches, organizations, all sorts of people are trying to rethink what's going to happen in the future. I do believe we can thrive. But the question is, and it's a great question, kind of as we get into seeing beyond the horizon and seeing that, you know, vaccines are kind of on its way and there will be a day where we will come out of it, come out of this. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? It's a good question. You know, a decade under our belt, the strangest year we've ever experienced as humans. What does the future look like? A few months ago, I was reading and I came across and I've been reading uh, through her work Her name is Tish Warren. She's an Anglican priest and an author. I'm sure some of you have actually engaged her work, The uh, Liturgy of Ordinary, a great award-winning book. And she's just done a great job at articulating how to live out these practices in everyday life. And I've just really enjoyed her work and listening to some of her work as well and her teachings. And a few months ago, she said this. And it's like I haven't honestly been able to sleep since hearing this because it's just stuck with me day after day. She said this. The fact is, I think Christianity in America needs to be willing to grow much smaller, deeper, quieter, and weirder. She says, I think Christianity in America, through all that we're seeing and experiencing, needs to be willing to grow much smaller, deeper, quieter, and weirder. Now, I have not been able to shake this since I read it. Every day I think about the possibility that this is, this is really true. I know we're Canadians, we're not American, but this right here, the four things that she quickly talks about is just something I think we need to consider. In everything we've seen over the last 12 months, I actually believe that this, what she's saying here is the way for the church forward and is something for Praxis Church as we endeavor to move into our future. So let me just take two seconds really quickly and then we're going to have an annual meeting in a few minutes and we'll let you go in a few minutes. But let me just take two seconds and quickly talk about these four things. First, she says the church needs to grow smaller. The church needs to grow smaller. Now this in no way is a shot at big churches. Uh, Quite honestly, I know like it's just easy. That is an easy posture to take, taking shots at the mega church or bigger churches Taking shots at the big guy is kind of the thing now from a lot of smaller church folk. And that's not what we mean when we talk about growing smaller. Listen, I know of big churches that are actually really healthy and beautiful. And I know of big churches that are really toxic. I also know of small churches that are really healthy and beautiful and living out the way of Jesus. And you probably know this too. There are some small churches that are really not that. They are really toxic. And so there's some people out there that kind of want to demonize a church for its size and tout the small church as kind of a resistance to the empire, the evangelical empire. That's not what I mean when we talk about growing smaller. I'm not, I'm not going there. I've actually been in both settings. I've been in a massive church with thousands and thousands of people 
had a global reach and I've been in smaller churches as well. But I do think, as Warren says, the church needs to grow smaller. Do you hear the language here? It needs to grow smaller. Basically, I think what she's saying is we all need to find an interconnected web of relationships and family that we can grow and practice the way of Jesus together. And there is no doubt that with that comes the discussion, how many people can we do this with, right? I think one thing every larger church needs to contemplate and think through is if we have all these people, how can we actually accomplish practicing the way of Jesus together? I think those are absolute valid questions and we need to think through this. You know, churches are often predicated on how many people we can get in the building or thinking through how, and often leaving to the side, thinking through how we can practice the way of Jesus together. And I just want to remind us that we all have a certain capacity for relationship. And one of the ways to grow in the way of Jesus is actually for us to grow smaller. We all need to find a family of disciples to do this with. And this is the hope with Praxis, is that we would just be this type of community that would offer an opportunity to practice the way of Jesus together, to move forward in your life. And part of that is growing smaller. Does that mean we shut the doors to people? Absolutely, obviously, our doors are wide open. We would love to see people join into this community year after year after year. But one of the things I think we need to think through, especially in a post-pandemic world, is how these types of relationships need to be cultivated and having a sense where we're growing smaller and through that multiplying together. The church needs to grow smaller and I believe it. I just think you can walk into maybe a larger setting and look around and think, where can those relationships come from? That that maybe can happen, but I, I think of our own place and space and time and history right now for us, as we look to getting back together as a community, we need a family of disciples to walk together with. And that means not being anonymous, but actually participating in a church family. She says this too, the church needs to grow deeper. The church needs to grow deeper. More than just the classic evangelical slogans, you know, the youth group kind of culture slogans, that we're going to change the world. You know, how many of us have heard that year after year after year? And that's not bad, but I think under that is a longing for disciples to actually grow in the way of Jesus. Many of us in this community, in this church, because we know each other pretty well, have gone through the purity culture of the 90s and then the blast of attractional church methods in the 2000s. Some of us, some of you are young, you're like, what are you talking about? Don't worry about it. You're here. It's good to have you. But some of us have been through this purity culture in the 90s, the attractional, trying to get everybody to come to our church in the 2000s. And my sense is talking to people that people are longing to go deeper in Jesus. People are longing to go deeper and we need to grow deeper as a community. This is one of the things we want to do is to continue to push and and invite and create a, a, a culture here where we are growing deeper in the way of Jesus. And that's not just about information. That's not just about good, really great sermons on Sundays. This is about practice and living this out together. If you remember in Matthew 7, Jesus uses this word over and over. The Greek word is poieo. Basically, it means to practice or to do God's will. This is what it means to grow deeper. And one of the things I think we need to just think through is that 
This is what the church community is called to be, a practicing community, a doing community, and that's actually how we grow deeper. In the Western world, because of the Enlightenment, we've kind of leaned into this idea that if I just get information in my head, that, all, that, you know, that means I'm going deeper. If I just listen to the right podcast or get around the right person who can teach me theology, I'm going deeper. That was not Jesus' vision of deeper. Jesus' vision of deeper, he says it on the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard all of these teachings, but unless you put them into practice, you're like a foolish person building your house on sand. We want to create a place and space that as people come in, we would practice this together. That's what it means to be deep. That's what it means to grow deep. She says this, so the church is to grow smaller, to grow deeper, and then to grow quieter. Now, let me just take a minute here, just before we close, and really drill down on this one. Can we just all agree that the last year, through COVID and the push for everything to be on the internet, the church has become loud. So loud. So it's crazy. I was looking back, and it was a crazy kind of shift a year ago when we, on a Friday afternoon, had to decide that we were going to take our gatherings online for the first Sunday that everything was shut down. I don't know if you remember that. And so here I was at my dining room, my living, my, my kitchen table here with my iPhone, not even attached to a tripod. It was sitting on books like b- tilted. You know what I'm talking about? You know, those like cheesy kind of quick type videos. I sat at the end of my table with my iPhone. I talked into the camera and lots of people in my life actually watched. It was crazy. I had people texting me all day, hockey friends, all that kind of stuff. There was kind of this buzz around the fact that everything had gone online and there was something like, something happening culturally where it was like, whoa, the church is here. Everybody's doing their services online. People were tuning in. And so we've had, I just want to say, we have had a year to get the message out. The problem is, is that, and just with the Bible, when things become more accessible, they often lose their power. And the church has had a year here where I don't know if you turn on your, uh, open up your Facebook feeds and your Instagram feeds, but my feeds on Sunday are filled with churches, churches across the globe. I have friends across the globe in ministry sharing what they're doing and sharing this great message. And that's great. I think we've had a year to do that. But again, as we become As we see things and hear things more and more, we can often become desensitized to them. And that's actually been the truth from the largest church to the smallest church. What was really cool and subversive, like this punk rock kind of way of going online a year ago, within a month, people began to see that there was less and less engagement. And my sense through all of this is exactly what Warren is saying here. The church needs now to move in. I actually really believe this is prophetic and I don't use that word lightly. The church needs to move into a season where we are quieter. We need to be quieter. We now need to live out the message that we have been declaring for a year. And you know, if you don't know the story, maybe that you don't know this and that's really great, but this has been not only an interesting year for Christians and communities to get everything out there, but it's also been a very interesting year for Christian scandal in the pop evangelical world. From our greatest apologist, having all sorts of accusations and dysfunction when it comes to sexual abuse come out against him after his death. To the epitome of the really cool, hip pastor guy leading a big church crashing and burning, we've had a lot of press as the evangelical church over the last year, and a lot of it has not been good. And that combined in a world where everybody now has a social media kind of account and and can basically publish to the world their thoughts at a second. We could pick up our phones and tell the world what we think right now. 
I feel like the church needs to become quieter. We need to live out now the way of Jesus together in a quieter fashion. Everybody has a voice now. I think what needs to happen now is the church in community needs to have a collective voice together. We've seen the internet, the explosion of getting podcasts and listening and being able to engage in material from wherever, and that's, that's absolutely fine. And even a lot of pundits would say, you know, well, the church is going to actually go online here now. This is a huge shift that's kind of sped up the process of the church going online. But think about it for a second. Think about this. I think, Serge, you're out there somewhere in cyber world. But imagine, imagine Serge going to his basketball kids, Coach Serge, who's amazing, and basically saying to them, you know what? For forever, guess what we're going to do? We're going to do all of our basketball practices and, and all of our content and everything just online. Our basketball team is going to become a Zoom team. The way you and I would think about that, we would think that's ludicrous. Why? Because basketball is not about getting information in your head. It's about hours and hours of practice that then push to hours and hours of games that develop players in a particular way. It's the same with my boys in hockey. I would not say to them, okay, your coach is going to say, we're just going to go on Zoom here forever. You can't do that. While we will keep lots of content online and we will continue to gauge online, church cannot just be online unless we just make it an information factory. And this is, this is important in the discussion. If church is just information and again a podcast, then so be it. I guess everything can be online. But again, this is not Jesus' vision. Just as a basketball team can't meet on Zoom forever, neither can we because it's not just about hearing a sermon. It's about being a practicing community. With all that said, I'm rambling I said it six years ago, what the power of the church is going to be is it's going to be local and rooted. And I think there needs to be something punk rock about the church in the future as we get back together, where you actually get in your car and you drive to a place where there's actually other humans in flesh and blood. I've said often that the church, what made the early church explode early on in the first century, there's people that have documented this, is they met in secret. They were not trying to get their message out to everybody like on billboards and on internet websites. They literally met in secret and there was something so punk rock and got the attention of the people on the outside. What are these people doing? In a way, they were kind of quiet and because of how they lived and practiced together, people just kept joining in, baptized, brought into the community of people. The church needs to get smaller. It needs to get deeper. But I think we're in a season where the church needs to be be quieter. And Heather and I, through the scandals we've seen over the last year and some of the things we read on the internet, and these are not just political things. These are evangelical voices saying certain things. We continue to say to each other, we just want to live a quiet life. Honestly, I just long, I'm exhausted in some ways with everything that's happening on the internet. I would just love to be in a place of living a quiet life. And finally, she says this, Church needs to be smaller, deeper, quieter. And then she says, the church needs to become weirder. And some of you are thinking, oh, Christians have been weird for a long time. True. Um, I'm probably not talking about some of the weird you're thinking about, some of the irrelevance maybe that Christians have possessed in the past. I'm not an alarmist at all by any means. I'm actually really hopeful about the future. But I would just encourage us, be prepared If you follow Jesus and his kingdom and you live under his reign and you live out his vision for how Jesus' followers are to live in this world, prepare to come across to the world as weird. Just buckle up. 
we are swimming upstream and this has always been the call of Jesus followers. And I just think there's, there's some weird things about us. Just remember, you believe, uh, if you brought into kind of this orthodox way under the, and under the rule of Jesus and the orthodox story we're brought into, you believe in a virgin birth. You believe in the Son of God coming into humanity, into this world in human flesh, dying on a Roman cross and raising three days later, showing up to people, ascending to heaven where he sits in authority with the Father in heaven. I mean, there are things, some things we have to grapple with in this story, but just I want to remind you that you're weird. And that's actually beautiful. That's okay. That instead of trying to live to the culture standards of how the culture says we should live and function, we are this, this people that push against that and say there is a better way and that way is the kingdom of God. Are you with me, brothers and sisters? And so I imagine that the steps forward for practice, praxis church are growing smaller, growing smaller, growing deeper, growing quieter, and living this out together, and growing weirder. Now, before I ask our team to come pray and, and kind of conclude our time together, I did, we did want to bring you up to speed on where we're headed, because obviously it's been a year where we've been primarily online, and some people, many of people have in, engaged in that. There are some that haven't, and you know, the hope is, is that as we get back to uh, weekly gatherings in the future here, that we'll be able to be back under one roof together. We did want to let you know about a couple things. Easter is just around the corner. Our team is preparing. Our music team is getting all sorts of music ready, even recording tonight. Some of that, some people are involved with that. We're just really excited to uh, put some songs and stuff together and get ready for Easter. We have made a commitment that we are going to gather in person on Easter Sunday. We don't have all the details, but we do know we're going to have an hour gathering on Easter Sunday, and we will bring you up to speed with where and what time that will be at. That gathering will also be available on Zoom online at the same time as a way, if you don't quite feel comfortable gathering a person, that you can still engage with us. The other thing we're planning to do, and we've tried to do this for two years, is we've tried to do a hike, actually, a community hike on Good Friday. And two years ago, we were rained out. Last year, there was so much uncertainty with COVID that we didn't do it. But this year, we are going to do a few different hikes at the same time on Good Friday morning at 10 a.m., around the city. Some of our team are going to be in each of the places. We're going to hike together in like groups of 10, 15, whatever. And then we're going to take communion at the end of that. We have communion packs where we're just going to take a time to respond and reflect. We really feel like this is a meaningful way to be together on Good Friday. We'll also have an online gathering that people can engage online on Good Friday. The hope is, though, is that Easter Sunday would begin a, a rhythm now of actually we have committed and we don't know exactly what the facility is going to be or where we're going to be, but we do feel like it is time to start gathering together regularly and offering that as an option. And so that will start Easter Sunday and we'll continue on. We'll continue as we have as a community to take long weekends off. And there may be a couple other weeks in there where we won't have any gathering at all, but we will, we will be starting Easter Sunday to gather together regularly and uh, on a weekly basis. And we'll always have the option right away that if you don't wanna gather in person because of whatever, whatever reason, that you'll still be able to log on and join us in real time for those gatherings. And we'll just see where this goes. We know that there's a loosening in the next number of uh, weeks. Actually, even I think this week it's going to start in Ontario where there's a loosening of restrictions on religious gatherings and weddings and stuff like that. 
and we're a year into this and we feel that we'll do we'll feel confident about this we'll do everything we can to make this um, safe and reliable for everybody and as well we probably won't the plan right now is not to have childcare right away we'll just have an hour gathering as a family an hour liturgy together with uh, music and some things for the kids some short teaching and then we'll also be able to resource our community after for sir for any more in-depth things that we need to tackle along the way so we're excited about Easter. We hope you can join us. And uh, we're, we're really uh, excited about the coming days as we kind of venture to start regathering together starting Easter weekend. Come on, somebody. I hope you're out there. It's, uh, it's really time for us to move forward. We're excited. With that said, um, I would love you. I know Heather's already been here and said that as well. We just love you so much. It's been a joy the last 10 years. Um, hasn't been easy from the bottom of my heart. It hasn't been easy to plant a church in post-Christian Canada um, but I, we're just, we are anticipating the days ahead. With that, we have a great team of people, great team of leaders. And what I'm going to ask actually is they're going to come right now. Many of you guys know Heidi Collins, who's been on our lead team for the longest time, back when we were City View. And then Mark Rodriguez and Nate Rundle joined us, um, I think, uh, right at the beginning of when we transitioned to Praxis Church. And so, um, actually, Nate, Nate, if you're out there, I'm going to get Nate to pray for our families at Praxis. He's just going to take a minute just to pray for our families. Then Heidi is going to pray for um, uh, our st students and kids. We have so many amazing kids and students in our church uh, family. And then Mark is going to pray for our future. And then we'll be done in a second here. But why don't you guys lead us? For everything that you have uh, brought to us uh, as a church uh, in this world, uh, as families, uh, we pray that uh, even though this past year has may have put strain on families we do pray as well that there has been growth within families that there's been more time together uh forced or not um we do thank you for the priority that families are and the love that with this within a family and we god we pray too that if if maybe there is a lack of love in spots that you help that healing um, for you know each family that, that there is a need um, as well with our church family God that we pray that um, we grow still together uh, even though physically we are have been apart we look forward to being more physically together and growing in that way as well and, and God we just pray as well for the health of anybody who is the health of anyone who is in need um, that that's always a thing um, COVID or not that we pray that uh, for your healing within families and that there's that support there as well thank you Father God we just um, we lift up the kids in our community Father it's so crazy when we think that um, 10 years ago there's so many that we gather with now that either because they weren't even born yet or because they weren't a part of our church family and they are now and we just see the impact that they're having in our lives as we try to impact their lives, Father God. So we thank you for them. We know that um, right now is particularly difficult for some of them. Um, we as adults, I think, worry about our own things in this pandemic situation. And we think kids will be okay and, and they will, Lord God. But we pray, Lord, that you would just um, meet them in a special way in this time, that you would help them with their uncertainties, with their uh, 
fears about what is happening in the world around them, Lord God, that um, this would be a time that they would truly come to know the peace that you have for those who love you, the um, hope that you bring even in situations that feel hopeless, Lord God. I pray that as Nate has prayed for this, all of us as a family, Lord God, that these kids would really grow up feeling like Praxis is a place where it's just another family. We know that there are um, people who have all sorts of different families that are part of our community, Lord God, um, kids who are living in very different situations. And we just, we thank you for each and every one of them. We thank you for the impact of their own parents, Lord God, but I pray that you would just help us as the other adults in this church community to take seriously our role in the lives of being Christian adults in the lives of these kids. So I thank you for our kids. I thank you for the kids that are coming, that aren't here yet, Lord God, that we are um, expectantly waiting for, Father God. I just pray that they would come in and that they would feel loved, that they would feel uh, your goodness through those that surround them in our community, Lord God. So we thank you for everyone who's involved with our kids' ministry as well, that um, as we work towards getting back together in person, Lord God, that um, we would just really um, see these kids as our future, that they are what we will leave behind when we leave this world, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that we would raise them well and that we would love them well. In Jesus' name. Lord God, we just thank you right now just for the last decade of uh, church as, as Praxis and or City View, Father God. I just pray right now for the future of, of Praxis, Lord God, that you would just guide us and that uh, in the short term, Father God, that you would just keep us, um, always keep us safe, but in the short term as we try to navigate COVID, Father God, I pray that you just guide us and give us wisdom as to how to do that and uh, just keep us safe, but uh, help us um, be able to gather as a community and uh, be able to have those relationships that we all so long uh, and desire for Father God, I pray right now, Father, that um, you would just help us uh, keep a focus on on the marginalized as as we move forward, Father God. And I pray for the next ten years here, Father God, that you would just guide us, that you would just um, show us where you want us to go, uh, show us uh, who you want us to be as a church, Father God, and what purpose you want us to play in the city of London, Ontario, Father God. I pray right now that you would just um, be with the uh, the leaders and and just. Uh, um, give us wisdom and guidance, Father God. We pray all this in your name.